I want to take a minute and talk about Shop Boss. It's the ultimate solution for automotive shop management. It's built by industry experts with real-world experience. In fact, the founder was a former shop owner himself. Now, Shop Boss is designed to be user-friendly, making it easy to set up, learn, and teach your team with Boss Pay, powered by 360 Payments. Enjoy integrated payments with digital signature capture, text-to-text pay, PayPal, and Venmo options, consumer financing, and now surcharging, all seamlessly integrated into Shop Boss. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing separate sets of books. Everything you need is built right in. But that's not all. ShopBoss also offers built-in DVI functionality, eliminating the need for third-party solutions. See how they can simplify your auto shop at shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. Shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. That's shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. My name is Jimmy Purdy, shop owner, master tech, transmission builder, and the host of the Gearbox Podcast. Here I talk with new and seasoned shop owners as well as industry professionals about day-to-day operations within their own shops and all the failures and successes that come along the way. From what grinds your gears to having to shift gears in the automotive industry, this is the Gearbox Podcast. Well, cool, man. Thanks for uh, hooking up. Um, Yeah, I don't think your camera's on. Oh, hey, my bad. That probably helps, huh? There we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Yeah, I had it off. Um, yeah, thanks for coming in, man. No, thanks for having me. Yeah. So we'll start with the intro. Um, I'll let you take the lead on that. Uh, my name is Wayne Hickam. I own uh, Wayne's Transmission Service in Spokane, Washington. I've been doing transmissions for the past 25 years. And it's just what I do, and I'm a transmission guy, I guess. It's tough, man. That's a tough gig. I've been um, I've been slowly moving out of the actual building, but you still do building day to day. Uh huh. You're you're still the owner owner and builder. Owner builder. I do everything. Okay. Um, you have a couple R and R guys, or are you, are you doing the R and R as well? I'm do I'm doing the R and R too. Okay. Well, I guess I think that helps. And in, in, in a sense, when things go wrong, right? It's easy for you to take it back out and then pay someone to My biggest hurdle was when I didn't do it right or something went wrong and then I got to pay them to take it back out. It was like, "Oh, no." And I'm already in the middle of the next one, you know, and I got to stop the presses and it's like, "Dude, I I just couldn't I slowly started pulling back and just doing specialized ones like performance transmissions or I'll just stick to hot rods or something that it's not a, you know, I got to have it out of here in three days. Right. Right. I mean, it's so tough, but for what, what, what's your biggest, I guess, pull right now? Are you, are you doing a lot of the older stuff? Are you getting into like the 10 R eighties, the six R one forties? Are you staying with that or? Um, I do a lot of Dodge diesels, 68s and 48s. Okay, that makes sense. I haven't really got into a lot of the um, 10-speed yet, and I don't know if I really want to. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's really hard. I mean, it's there's so many learning curves. I mean, just no. on the 68 RFEs alone, right? You, I mean, I can't even buy a remanufactured one. So when they come in, it's like you don't really have a choice but to go through it. But then everybody wants it bulletproof, right? Right. It's and like, I mean, you can't bullet, 
bulletproof stupidity. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad engineering cannot be. Yeah, I'm not re-engineering the wheel here, you know? Right. I mean, you get these kids in there with these diesels and they just beat the hell out of them and they they expect you to warranty them. Yeah. Yeah. Comes back with a like a like a 48 comes back with a broken input shaft or something and it's like what? That's not on me. I right. can't. <laughs> there's the, the, there's not that's nothing to do with the way I put the thing together, you know. Right. They're just out beating the hell out of it saying, "Oh, well it has a warranty, so they'll fix it." Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially for you, because that's like, that's your whole day then. Like, it's not like you have a staff where you say, okay, you guys go and rip it back out. And it's like, that's back on your plate. Right. You're pulling it back out. You're going back through it. And I mean, that's not a quick or easy job to do. Uh, you know, how do you feel about like the the build? I mean, we have a, a technician shortage, right? It's like the biggest thing. It's hard to find auto technicians. It's hard to find people who want to work on cars. But then we're talking about transmission rebuilders. It's, like, it's a dying breed. It's dying, right? I mean, it's are are you are you looking for a builder? Have you gone out looking am, or seeing if you have anybody coming in to ask if they can build for you? I I know a couple guys that I was thinking about having you know hiring, but you know they either want too much money or you know they don't have the skills. And yeah, and talk about a tough kids, thing to try to teach. The young kids, they just don't want to do it. Everybody wants to be on their phone, and you know just look at their phone and not actually learn the power flow. What makes it do this? What makes it do that? Yeah. Yeah. Even to find someone to just a, to show up and tear it down. Have you gotten a lot of like interest in wanting it though? Like a lot of like, I want to learn how to do tra- automatic trans. Like I want to learn how to build it. No, no not, not no more. Okay. That's, that's sad. I feel like, uh, I have a lot of guys come through and that's, it's really piques their interest, but then it comes down to like you just said, well, I need you to learn how this thing works. Oh man, that's a lot of work. What? You just, you got, you got, you got to learn, you got to learn, like you said, the power flow, you got to learn how all this stuff operates. So when you have an issue, you're not just like blindly tearing back into it or it's like, oh, we can just pull the valve body and fix this issue. We don't need to go back into the unit, you know? Right. And I think that for, for me growing up in kind of this, the, with the transmissions, it was like when something went wrong. It's like you just pull it back out and put it on the bench, right? And it's like, I, I feel like I've learned over the years, like, well, if you learn a little more about how the thing works, sometimes it's not in the trans. It's usually something in like the power flow and the valve body, right? Or Such even a hard... like a bad speed sensor. Oh, what's that? You know, even like a bad speed sensor. Right, right, yeah. And it's like you, t- you pull this back out and tore it apart because of a $15 sensor that takes 30 right. seconds to replace it. Uh, yeah. And, and learning that stuff. And like, we started the whole conversation, like everyone tries to stay away from transmissions, you know, and you probably get this a lot too in your area where if it has a PO 700, anything, it probably comes to you. Right. Like, right. I don't know. It said transmission. I don't want anything to do with it. Right. Yeah. Now you get a lot of people like that and it's like, well, dive into it. There's, you, there's so many other things that can cause a transmission to fail. Besides the transmission. Absolutely. Like the the 604s and the caravans, like you at a dead stop and the uh, speedometer is moving all over the place. It's a bad alternator. You know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, it needs a transmission. No, it needs an alternator. And how common practice is that at like, say, the dealer or the manufacturer or the dealership, right? When it comes in, it's got any sort of shift problem. It's like they're just throwing a, a transmission in it. That's what all of them do anymore. Right. 
Yeah, no more no more high level diagnostics. And I feel like and how has your shop been kind of getting into I don't know if I call it the new era, but as the, you get these more complicated issues, you start to get more into engine repair because that is the root cause of whether it failed or whether that's the complaint, right? Like how many times you heard, oh my transmission's slipping and it's a misfire, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, if it's a simple like plugs or something, I'll do something like that. But I don't get into motors. That's just that's the hard part for me. Okay. I've how do you draw, how do you draw that line? Like when it comes in and, and wants like, well, I want this fix. It's been to three other shops and everyone's told me it's the transmission. And it comes come to find out it's a an ignition coil is failing. I mean, you would probably take that on. But what if it was like a head gasket? Do you just get your diag and then send it back out to a shop to do that or how does that work for you i would send it out to a shop that i trust okay um and just tell them what's going on and tell the customer hey this is this isn't what i do it's not my forte but this guy here that's what he does and then just go from there so you really 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 try to just stay as transmission oriented as possible yes you you just want to be on the bench building yes okay that's uh that's also kind of a dying breed, I feel like. Yeah, hard, I go man. to the seminar every year, the ATRA seminar in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. And it's I mean, I'm forty five, I'm still one of the younger guys. There's yeah, no true. younger guys getting into this. Yeah. And that's hard for me because it's like I'm part of the part of that trend of like pulling back out of it, of like Okay, I'll build the ones that make sense, but you really start running the numbers financially, and it's like just such a difficult situation to have. Uh, you say three R and R guys, three techs out there waiting on me to build a, a unit, and meanwhile I can't get out of the office, you know, right. or or the parts don't come in right. I mean, how's the parts situation been for you to get like rebuild kits and torque converters and like it's it's a nightmare here. I can't get any of this stuff. Um, my kits and everything, I haven't really had that much of a problem on. It's more like hard parts, uh, bushing, stuff like that, solenoids. Um, you know, there's a shortage of bands for a little bit, but I called another supplier and they're like, oh, yeah, how many do you want? And I don't know if it's like, are they the manufacturers holding on to the parts and only certain companies are getting them or, or whatnot? Yeah, th- everything's changing. As far as, and then you got Rostra that's like made big changes with their solenoid design. And, and of course you got all the aftermarkets that are trying to feed into the problems. I'm sure, I mean, Sonics and Transgo, right? Always trying to come up with new products that like fix these broken wheels. You know, like you said, you can't fix the stupid. It's like, you can throw a lot of money at it though. You know? (laughs) Right. You know, one thing that gets me is the stages, you know, how people say stage one, stage two, stage three. Yeah. And it, it, that makes no sense. It's more of a marketing ploy than anything. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I've, I've, it's hard to even sell what you're going to do to it without marketing it that way. Cause it's such a well-known term though. Right. But right. it's like, what is stage one? Like, what are you talking about? What's stage two? And then the ratings, like, how are you rating this thing for 500 horsepower, 600 horsepower? All that stuff is like, I, I, I never understood it. And I've had, I've thrown some pretty decent parts and some different units and it's like, and it still breaks for whatever reason. Right. You're running out of fluid. It's still not going to last, you know? (laughs) So yeah, I've never understood how they they do that or with the shift kits. I think back in the seventies, that was a big thing. 
like a shift kit. And it's like, I always make sure when someone comes in now, it's like, no, this is a shift correction package, right? right. So it's not a performance add-on. It's just fixing the stupid stuff that <laughs> they didn't get right, you know, changing some hydraulic flows and, 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 and making it so it should last a little longer. Whatever issue it failed for this time, it won't fail for again. It's like you look at a 4L60, is like, how many products do you have to put in that thing to make it reliable? You know what I mean? Right. But then it's like, like it's supposed to be the re- the worst transmission out there. But I think it was the most built, the most engineered or manufactured one there was too, right? right. So yeah, the small percentage of those that fail is a huge number because there were so many that were put in freaking everything. Like so, it's like I don't know. Right, and the sixty got a bad name from the seven hundred. Like I mean, I remember old guys telling me they'd throw the seven hundred away and put a three fifty in their truck. Right. They just that whole TV setup. They just hated yeah. that TV setup, and once that failed, it, you know, it just ate the unit up. Yeah, similar to the AODs, you know. Right. Everyone, everyone thinks it's a passing cable. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're laughing because you know, uh, I ain't no damn passing cable. That's uh, don't mess with that, right? It's like, right. and and I think that was the biggest failure I've seen too. Is like on the seven hundred. Is like I don't know, I just couldn't get my passing gear to work. What are you talking about? Well, I tightened that cable all the way, and now it's shifting really funny. Like, oh no! <laughs> and like you said, oh, I just put a three fifty in it because I was so sick of that seven hundred. Like, dude, it's not a bad unit if you if you you know take the time to learn it. And I think that's like moved on into the generation of no more dipsticks, right? Because there's too many dipsticks that were messing with these <laughs> earlier units, you know? Like right. people just people just can keep their hands off them, messing with them, messing with them. Like, what do you, what do you, is, don't touch it if you don't know what you're doing, you know? Right. And, like, and now we don't world. get a dipstick anymore. <laughs> yeah, that frustrates the hell out of me because you fill it up through the pan and if it drips, it's full. If it doesn't drip, it's not full. Give me a dipstick. I want to yeah. know how much oil is in that thing. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, so, so you know, just as well that the fluid foams and it changes and as the heat, it, it rises and expands. And yeah, I've never understood that fill to tell it leaks back out. I, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm not confident in those and there's no other way, you know, unless you measure it and put it back in. Um, I mean, I've had people, I've had clients come back in because it's, you know, a half a quarter quart too tall, right? You fill it up when it's cold and they go drive it over, you know, the grade. And they come back and it's like, oh, I checked it. And it's like way over the max. It's like, yeah, I mean. But now the manufacturers are making it to full to where it spills out. So it's like, how how would you even know the difference? And it's like, is right. that really damaging anything when you overfill it like that? I don't well, think so. Well, on the 6Ts and the 6Fs, it, I guess it uh, creates a lot of havoc on them if they're over full. Yeah. I've I've never seen it. I mean, I've, I've we've probably all seen them puke out of the vent, you know. But right. <laughs> It looks like it's going to burn the damn thing to the ground, especially on the old E4ODs, you know, when the when they would uh, over overfill and they would start puking everywhere and blow the front seal out and all that fun stuff. It's like, especially the motor homes, they just keep going, goes right on the exhaust and you got a big fire. And- yeah, yeah. They don't stop till someone's like screaming at them on the freeway like, your, <laughs> your rig is on fire. <laughs> yeah, we had one of those happen a few years ago at another shop before I started my own thing. And the same thing happened. It, it was burping out and, you know, they were on the freeway and people were yelling at them and they pulled over and got the fire out and had to pull all the exhaust brackets off and shields and clean everything. And it's just a big mess. Nightmare. Yeah. Nothing you can really do to avoid it. I mean, that was like the nature of those, of those beasts. Right. Is, I mean, unless you go through the pump and you drill out the drain back, you know, and you do all the, 
the upgrades, I don't know, call them upgrades, just corrections, you know. I think it's the difference between someone like rebuilding it and rebuilding it. I'm sure engine builders go through the same thing where, oh, I rebuilt this engine. It's like, you did. What'd you do to it? Oh, I put bearings in and and rings and and a a new head gaskets. It's like, what? You didn't build it? And it's like the same with transmissions, right? You get these backyard builders that are going through them, throwing frictions and rubbers at them. It's like leaving all the same thrust washers, leaving all the same bushings. Oh, I build transmissions like you do. What, did you do any of the upgrades that it needs? Did, did, and it's like the cost, right? So then someone comes in and they think that's the standard. Like it should be X amount because that's what I got, what, what, you know, what, what I was charged last time. It's like, well, you're here now because last time didn't last. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, like bushings. Bushings, I mean, that's a very critical wear area. Yep. And you have to replace them. Like all my units, they all get a full bushing kit. And- yeah. And why would you not? You're that deep. And Durabond, right. uh, you probably use Durabond, right? Mm-hmm. For, I mean, it's like it's such an awesome bushing, and it's like it reduces the drag rotational. You know, do you get into like the you have a, a lathe and you get in all the custom stuff too? No, I don't have a lathe. Lathe, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't either. Yeah, it's one thing I've because you get into like the four L eighties and you can go like fully rollerize them and and machine all the drums, add Torringtons to them, and it's like it's like the next level, but. How do you charge that to a client that has like, you know, a 2003 GMC 2500 that he uses for work? It's like, are you going to build him that unit? It's like the amount of, it's like, it's such an expensive unit to, to go through, but it's, but you know, in the back of your head, like that's the way to make this thing last. But then you're also dealing with like trying to justify your cost all the time with like monster transmission, right? Like you don't want that, <laughs> but it's like, that's what they do. They go online and they see this price and it's like, Oh man, why are you charging me four grand to build this when I can get it shipped to my door for 2,500? It's like, Oh, uh, well you want to do it twice. Cause that's what it's going to, that's right. what it's going to be. You know, how do you, yeah. how do you navigate that when someone comes in and they're just trying to justify your price based on what they find online? You know, I'll tell them, you know, look at the reviews and, and the biggest thing too is I tell them who's going to warranty it when it fails. Yeah. And, you know, that's when you get like almost a deer in the headlights look because they think they'll just, oh, it breaks. They'll send it in. They'll get a new one and off to the races they go. Yeah. But in all reality, they're going to send it in. So they're going to have to pay for shipping. They're going to deny the warranty. They're going to say, oh, you installed this or you didn't flush the cooler. And then you're out all that money and you don't even have a transmission because they have it. They're, you know, holding it hostage. Yep. And you know, and then at that point you have to pay all this money just to get your stuff back. And then is it going to last again or is it going to fail in so many miles? Right. And I tell everybody, you know, keep your money local, you know, so if there is a problem, you can come right here to me and, you know, I can take care of it or, or whatnot. Yeah. Well, and, and also to keep you doing what you do, because sooner rather than later, it's not even going to be an option anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With 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 the industry where it's at and and how these transmissions has just become so easy to get the remanufactured one, get the car back on the road. There just isn't this big calling to have builders. And it's like it's so it's it really is, it's just kind of sad. And it's the same thing with engines. I mean, to get an engine rebuilt in my area, it's a ten to twelve month wait. I mean, I don't I don't have anybody around that can build an engine in six months. And you used to, you know, you can send it down the street and have it done in two weeks, 10 years ago, you know, you guys ready to, ready to do it, but they're so backlogged because they don't have anybody that wants to do it. They, they won't show up, whatever the issue is with their, with their employees, 
So it's just them doing all the work. And it's like, it's so hard to find people that are talented enough to build it right, make it last. So no, everybody so, wants that quick money. They don't want to, you know, nobody has pride in it. And yeah, what that's they're true. Doing. Yeah. Now, like all my units, I paint all my units. So they, you know, they look nice. You know, you're spending all this money. You want something to look nice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll use a $5 can of spray paint just to make a customer happy, you know, because when they pick it up, they're like, wow, that looks nice. That's my transmission. Yes, it is. Yeah, it just shows a little bit of pride behind what you're doing. Like, this is what I, this is what I do. And then training, right? So you're going to the ATR seminars, you're staying on top mm-hmm. of training. It's like, you got to constantly evolve. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you can't stay behind on that stuff, especially when it comes to the new ones. The 10 R's, the six R's is like this new evolution of, of, uh, how many gears they can put into a transmission. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's ridiculous. Just, you know, I mean, six is plenty. I mean, you don't need 10 speeds. Right. Um, like I have a neighbor, he has a, a Dodge truck with a that ZF eight speed and he goes a block and he's already in fifth gear. And it's yeah. like, you don't need to be in fifth gear by the time, you know, you just made it a block. How do you, uh, how do you explain how, how those operate? Cause I, I, that's another one I get with clients is a gearbox is a gearbox. And so you take your, your one through four, one through six, and it's like each individual gears. Do you have a way of explaining to them to make them understand that's like, there's not 10 gears in there. How do you, how do you process that to somebody to make them understand that? A lot of it is, uh, you know, I just tell them, you know, it's a lot of it is computer strategy and, you know, just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I try to explain is like, if you have an issue and say, <clears throat> excuse me, second gear on like a 4060, it's like, you're probably going to eventually end up with a problem in reverse, right? Mm-hmm. With, with the direct drum and all that having issues. So having that correlation and I tell my uh, service advisor that too, sometimes is like, look, you got to explain to them, like, just because it's one area of the, of the automatic transit having an issue doesn't mean that's, that's it. You know, um, it's going to affect other areas cause everything's working and multiplying with itself. Right, so yeah. it's, it's just something I always try to explain. And I always like to ask other guys that are in the, uh, how they present that information because it's, it's a difficult one to get someone to understand. Like, look, just because, third gear is having an issue doesn't mean like that's the end of it and you know like 406 is another example it's like once you lose that fourth gear you're eventually going to lose third gear just a matter of time <laughs> like because they work you know and harm harm at the same time so i just it's an interesting concept yeah i like the people that where they're like oh can you just fix third gear right exactly yeah exactly that's yeah that's what i mean it's like it doesn't work that way <laughs> or reverse you know like on a 480 reverse is like well you're gonna pull this whole thing apart replace the reverse band um and you just want to put a new one and put it back together do you do any sort of repairs like that or are you just like that's no. off the table too right yeah yeah i i don't mess around with that it's just i mean it just it bites you in the butt too many times every time you try to be you know try to be nice try to help them out and it just goes sideways. Yeah. And it's always, uh, you try to do the repair or the valve body work or shift solenoid. And then it's a year later. Hey, so I came in and had this thing rebuilt a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, I you, you what now? 
and of course you you probably remember each and every one of them because you got your hands on every one of them but at the same time you're like hold on a second here i didn't uh i didn't do that <laughs> you gotta yeah. go back through the report yeah yeah you're like oh i just did this that's that's not a rebuild and oh well i, I thought you rebuilt it no 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 look <laughs> at that price that's not a rebuilt transmission so i guess you get the same the same issues then huh? oh yeah <laughs> Like I had a guy, he sent me an email and he's like, he needed a, a 4L60, uh, what was it for a three, five or something. And I told him, um, what I tell him like 2,500 bucks. And then he's like, well, I have cash. Or at first he said, he can't afford it. And then, uh, then he says, I have cash. Okay. Well, my price is 2,500 bucks. That's, that's the price. I mean, yes, if you don't have enough, you, you know, start saving. And then he comes down to my shop and he, you know, he's like, Oh, I brought that 4L60 for you. And I'm like, oh, Okay. And he's like, I don't know what you told me on price. I don't remember. And I pulled up the email and told him, Oh, I can't afford that. Well, what do you want me to do? I mean, I got overhead, I got my business. And I mean, it, it's weird what customers expect from us anymore. Yeah. Yep. You probably get the, uh, uh, you know what? I don't care what it costs. Just get it done. And you're like, No, no, no. You're going to care what it costs. So I'm gonna let you know, and then mm-hmm. and then you let me know if you want to do it for that price, right? And then, it, and, yep. You know, I'll, I'll tear a unit down and get a price, and then call them and and you know tell them, okay, this is what you're looking at, and then they're like, okay, and they're fine with it that way. You know, that way you don't tell somebody, oh, well, you owe me five grand. And like, oh my god, I thought it was gonna be like twenty five hundred. Yeah, the expectations are, are yeah, they blow me away too. And, and another thing with like the tear down and then like you try to expect everything, but there's always something new, you know, and right. like with hard parts, you get, you get your hand on some hard parts and then you got to find a good used planetary or a good used, whatever you you need. Like you're going to install that because there is no other option, you know? And it's like, that's not what I want to do. I want to make sure it's, if it's being replaced that it's new, but if you can't right. find it, like what do you scrap this whole unit now because you need one low reverse planetary and the United States doesn't have any new ones. <laughs> you know? So it's like, no, you put a good used one in there. Right. And you sell them that way. But it's like, that sucks. Cause you're trying to provide the best product you can, but it's like, and then you already have five or six hours into this damn thing on the teardown and cleanup. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough gig. And then, then you try to up the price fifty dollars and it's like the whole world's gonna come unglued like like, i didn't anticipate this i don't know like and then and then you 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 don't know what it's gonna look like because it doesn't usually drive when they come in (laughs) right yeah to find all the uh, issues that are in it yeah it's 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 a challenging business yeah you know from the customers to dealing with transmissions to parts and and everything it's just it it's a challenging business yeah yeah and especially when you're doing everything yourself for sure and then you know seeing uh, that group on facebook the brotherhood you know that kind of you know it's not just you know oh it's you know just me having all these problems it's you know everybody all over the country and they're having the same problems that we're having over here in spokane washington and i i really like that brotherhood page just for the knowledge and you know, you, you could see what other guys are doing too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the stuff you learn on it. 
Well, just like the ATRA seminars, but like all year long, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the seminars, I mean, I used to go to and you'd see all the new products coming out. You meet people, see how they do things, um, you know, and, there, and there's a tool, right? But then there's also a way of getting certain components apart without needing that tool. And there's just a lot of stuff and tips and tricks that you learn. And it's so cool to yeah jump on Facebook, be on this group and have like leaders of the industry, right? You got uh, Jim Mobley on there. You got, you know, Robert on there. It's like these guys that are one of the leaders of these aftermarket parts. And it's like, hey, I'm having an issue installing this sh- shift package. And it's like, oh, look, you just, you know, flip out. Or, hey, the last couple hundred I've heard didn't have the spring or didn't have that check ball or, or let me send you the, the updated one. It's like, Oh my God. Cause if you try to look up that stuff online, it's like, you can't find that stuff Right. <laughs> when it comes to no. like valve body work. It's like that stuff's not available online. And Jim and Robert, I mean, those guys, they, they kick ass on there. I mean, they, and Robert comes up to uh, our seminar every year. So I get to chat with them in person and he's a great guy. That's cool. And, and it's just, you know, I'm like, I'm just this one man shop in Spokane, Washington, and I'm talking to the in- industry experts. Right. You know, all the cool guys. Right. He's got to get yeah. a jacket from him one of these days. That'd be cool. Remember the old, ja- the old transgo jackets, the little wooden nickels that came in the shift kits. Uh-huh. What happened to the wooden nickels? I have like six. I'm like, Oh my God, I was so close. And then they stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah. I think I got four or five in my box somewhere. <laughs> I'm not getting rid of them. If it ever comes back, I got, I'm, I'm getting myself a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he'll listen to this and he'll send us a jacket. That'd be cool. Now, what do you think of um, like Ratio Tech? Uh, what Steve Younger's kid's doing? Have yeah, you, I, I have nothing bad about it. I mean, uh, between that and Superior, I mean, it's like seems to be about the same kind of product. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely like some of the little nuances that the Ratio Techs have been putting in. Yeah. Cool stuff. It's, it's a little... Um, I don't know what the word for it is. It's not as like prevalent where like Transgo, it of course makes it more consumer friendly where you can kind of explain it to your client a little bit more and they have a way of like making it sellable, right? It's like a shiny box and it says this fixes this, this and that where ratio text like you, you got to kind of know, you know, like they don't explain it as well. But I mean, I think the product in itself is, is fantastic. Yeah, I like the little ratio tech boxes for all my 4L60s for just everyday drivers. Yeah. And they work great. Yeah. It just encapsulates all those leaky parts, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the internals. I've really been more of a Sonics guy. I, I have the little test stand for the vacuum test and the valve bodies. And I usually do a lot of the sure the sure cure kits with like the O-ring end plugs and just all their stuff like just makes sense to me as I'm looking through like flow charts and I'm like, okay, well, if I have a garden, it's like a garden hose that's been hit with a shotgun, right? Like, let me seal all these little holes everywhere. And I feel like sometimes some of like the superior products where it's just increasing line pressure, like instead of fixing the leak, they're like, let's just give it more flow. You know, so I was like, I mean, I guess it works either way, but I'd rather just like seal everything up. And then that way you can lower your line pressure and not have to like bump line pressure to compensate for the internal leaks. Right, because, I mean, more line pressure, you're going to break more stuff. Right, yeah, I mean, well, if, yeah, but you're kind of counting on these unmetered leaks on the inside, right? So, like, like the capsules on the 406s that leak on the third gear and, and just all the end plugs leak. And so, if you're kind of basing increasing line pressure to compensate for those unmetered leaks, 
yeah, you could boost it too much and then break stuff, or you could do the exact same thing on a different unit and have it work great because it's so worn out that everything's leaking internally. So it's like, I don't know. And then some people have, you know, oh, superior is garbage. It, it didn't do anything for me. It's like, it's probably because your shit's like completely worn out. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't, you know, like if you got a massive hole in your garden hose, it doesn't matter how much you open the valve, it's not going to make it to the end of the hose. Like, so. I don't know. Um, but on the ratio tech stuff, I feel like they got a good combination of like solving some of the leaks and then still giving you just a little bit of an upgrade to make it work right. a little better. Cause, um, I've definitely, I've definitely had a few that come in and you fix all those leaks and all of a sudden it starts slamming and you're like, well, what's going on here? And then you come to find out someone's got a tuner in it and they've increased all their line pressures to try to compensate for lazy shifts. So yeah, Which that's is, a whole another topic right there. The tuners. Yeah. Oh my god. I've uh, seen more units destroyed by tuners, and they're like, "Oh, I know what I'm doing. It does not need to be at max line pressure." No, you don't know what you're doing. No, I don't even know what I'm doing when it comes to that stuff. I, people ask me that all the time. Like, nope, I don't want anything to do with it because everything shifts like garbage now. Like the ten speeds and the eight speed, like they're garbage the way they shift. Like you said, mm-hmm. most of them don't even get into fifth or sixth gear. You know, sometimes 10th ten, is not even used. Like it doesn't even, right. it's like an eighth gear most of the time. It doesn't even get into 10th gear. And they're like, hey, can you make this thing shift better? Like, no, I can't. <laughs> now, do you do any kind of like the factory programming for like Techums and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, gotten just, into that. And, and that's about as far as I want to go on the programming. Yeah, just the necessary stuff. Um, you've probably dealt with on the 10 R's. Are you having to do shift solenoid strategy? Have you done like valve bodies on those where you, you change out the solenoids? I haven't had one in my shop yet. Okay. I know on the six speeds, the six R's, they were doing the same thing where you had it in, you had to put this the shift solenoid strategy in mm-hmm. and, and you would do that. And then it was like, wouldn't work. It was just, it was garbage. It would like hang up in a second, wouldn't upshift. So you would delete the factory programming and just leave it alone. And then all of a sudden it would, it would work fine. And it was like the, um, was it the six F's that had the solenoid strategy? If you did like a replacement on it, you had to put that, that solenoid strategy into the PCM to get it right. to, to work. And if you didn't do that, it did not, it did not shift at all. And right. so it was like, it was very, it seemed like it was very critical on these six R's and the 10 R's to do the same thing. But now it's come to find out like, Oh, just leave it alone. Just, put the valve body in the solenoids and don't even change nothing. And it works. It's like, how does that pop? What? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's a, we- a weird, a weird thing when it comes to the computer tuning stuff. I don't know. Yeah. And then that little tag you get with the Ford valve bodies, how, you know, you look at it sideways and the numbers get wiped off, you know, yeah. they're throwing it right in the oil now. <laughs> and I was at my buddy's shop and he's like, I was going to program something for him. And he's like, well, this is what I got left of the tag. And I'm just like, Oh man, what do I do here? <laughs> it's funny you said that. I know. Oh my God. I had one in particular where, um, it was, was it a used one we were putting in? I don't remember what it was. Uh, but we installed the trans and of course, somehow there's a miscommunication as far as needing that, sh- that strategy number and it's on the valve body, right? But it's on the side cover, you know, so it's not mm-hmm. super, super accessible. But they make that tag on top. And I remember looking down with a flashlight and I'm like, oh, it's a little dirty. So I went to wipe the dirt off 
and all the numbers just wiped right <laughs> off. I was like, oh, no, we got to pull the stupid side cover now. There goes three hours of my life. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was so funny. So it's like I barely make it out. I'm like, oh, and I just reached down and wipe it and just like wipe the numbers right off that tag. Like, how did that? They couldn't etch it in or something? Yeah, they, I think they should etch it just so you can wipe it off. And I mean, it, it would make our lives a lot easier. <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> but again, Kempix stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that stuff it just doesn't make any damn sense to me, but you always figure out another way around it, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we got to come and, and adapt to all this stuff. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of adapting, so how did how did your journey get into with the transmissions? Um, I was 19 years old. I was cooking at a restaurant, and I asked the boss for a raise. I was making 10 bucks an hour, and I wanted a dollar raise, and he said no, and made me mad. So I looked in the newspaper and, uh, you know, when you actually still did that, looked in the newspaper and seen a mechanics helper at Amco in Santa Rosa, California. And I was like, I could do that. And got hired on with another guy and they had us paint this whole Amco before we even touched a car. Like the boss would come out. He'd be like, yeah, why don't you paint over here? Paint this wall. We'd paint it real quick, bust it out. And he'd come out and he'd be like, wow, that looks really good. And look around. He'd be like, "Why don't you paint a little bit further down?" And we'd paint that real quick. And wow, man, you guys are killing it! Yeah, why don't you just paint a little further down? And then, you know, two weeks later, then we finally got to touch a car. And and I know why he did it now that I'm older. You know, because if you don't, can't take the time to paint something, uh, how can you work on a transmission? Yeah, yeah. And, take a little pride in what you're doing, or maybe he was just trying to get his building painted for. Probably I think 15, 15, 15 bucks an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was making like 12, 13 bucks an hour then. Yeah. That's a cheap and paint then, job for him for sure. And I, you know, I started seeing what the guys were doing. I'm like, well, I want to do that. You know, pull them out and put them in. And he's like, all right. And figured that out. I'm, okay. Well, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And just kept busting my ass and busting my ass. And so how did that yeah. evolution work out? Did you, you started on the line as far as just, R&R? Uh, R&R, services, stuff like that. Okay. And then every once in a while, I get to tear down something. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and like back in those days, you could, if you didn't like where you were working, call the shop down the road. Hey, I need a job. Okay, bring your tools over. And, you know, you just go to a different shop if you didn't like where you were and just learn from, you know, try to learn from as much as I could from everybody that I worked with. So it was a lot of the time spent at the Amco or did you kind of bounce around for a lot? I bounced around for a couple of years. Okay. And then, um, it really oh. got serious for me when I started it, um, at another shop, uh, NorCal transmission in Santa Rosa. And he, he kind of, you know, just showed me the right way of doing everything and getting me into the seminars and just learning. So the pivotal kind of like, turning point was uh was getting more technical with it yeah okay i remember one of the first ones i've and i i honestly don't know how some of the early ones i've I've put i don't even call it a build i i reassembled some (laughs) the very early transmissions that i reassembled 
I still don't understand how those things worked. I, like as far as like, I can't believe I actually it went into a vehicle and left and like didn't come back. I was like, because I, I had no business being on the bench doing that, right? And I'm kind of mm-hmm. had similar uh, upbringing where it was like, hey, I just want to do that. I can do that. Sure, here you go. Here's you know, here here it is. Here's the bench. It's like as, got, as long as you got no leftover parts, it should be fine. You know, I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, and it's like. The internet wasn't a big thing, so we uh, the old AST the ASTG manual, and you're just kind of flipping it page by page, and you know just reading and doing it exactly the way it is. Is like, oh my god, those books are great reference, but there's a lot of stuff that they're missing, right? So right, yeah. I just remember the first couple ones putting together, and I still to this day think about like, how did I even pull that off? <laughs> uh, yeah, I fully know, understand what you mean by that. I've you know, back in some of my earlier days, it was like, man, how did that work? And and just, I just blame it on luck. Yeah. And then like the amount of problems you've probably come across now. And it's like, how come I feel like I never had those problems when I first started? <laughs> like either I, I like ignored them or didn't think about it, but it's like, I do everything as like meticulous as possible now. And I actually do the research and I still have these issues, these freaking things leak, like why is what the hell's with the, all the front covers leaking and the front seals leaking? It's like I don't feel like I ever had that issue 10, 15 years ago. You know, you put it in, it would take off, and it's like come back in a year. Oh, everything looks good, cool. It's like now you gotta get. I don't know. I don't know. It's such a strange thing, but maybe well, just the parts, the parts are crap were, now. What's that? I think I think the parts were a lot better back then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, just it seems like anything anymore is just going downhill. Yeah. Yeah, the rubber and I don't know. I mean, you, you probably see all the stuff on Amazon now. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you can get the same part from Amazon and it comes and it's got a Transtar freaking receipt in the box. And you're like, uh-huh. what? And you look at the price and it's like, it's like twice as much on your Trans Transtar from your account versus off of Amazon. You're like, what? And it's the same exact box. But is it? Is it the same part? I don't know. Like, Yeah, that, that kind of, I'm kind of iffy on that too. Because you, you look at some of this stuff and like there's some of the names on, on like Amazon. You're like, what company is this? And, you know, and then you whatever it is, you get it and it comes in a Transtar box. Yeah. Yep. With a little Transtar receipt, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you, you know, you tell your sales guy about it. You're like, hey, dude, I got, you know, it's this much on Amazon. He's like, I, I can't do anything about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we talk about Transtar for a long time is too busy trying to sell vanilla ice in their ac compressors oh yeah that, that is such the greatest idea oh <laughs> uh, why are you selling ac compressors like should is this something we should know and it's like i'm sure a lot of transmission shops are like do i buy an ac machine now is that like the new what i what i need to do well the one up here they don't have you know they're trying to push all this ac stuff but they have none none there I mean, oh, they don't even have the parts there. Uh-uh. I mean, you need any AC stuff, you call O'Reilly's or whatnot, and, and you know, that's where you get your AC parts. You don't right. call O'Reilly's for transmission parts. Right. It's weird. It's, yeah. it's even stranger that they got Ice Ice Baby trying to promote it. Right. You see Vanilla Ice on the website. It's like, <laughs> I get it, but, oh, my God, that is that is, I don't know. Oh, it was the, bur- the best or the worst marketing ploy I've ever seen. Use vanilla ice to sell an AC compressor. <laughs> I don't know. I think they should just stick to what they know and just transmission stuff. Yeah, and get really good with that, maybe. Yeah, that'd be nice. 
and, you know, maybe stick with or get some kind of quality control. Yeah. You know, I just got a used pump from them the other day and, and I, I've learned my lesson and I pull all my pumps and everything apart from Transstar or even when I'm just, uh, you know, just building a unit, I pull all the valves out and there was metal all through this thing. I mean, it was a suicide mission right from the start. Wow. Yeah, I've seen them too with the little cleaning beads. Are you are you close to East Fork? East Fork. Um, East Fork transmission parts. I know they're up there next in Washington he, somewhere. Um, I think he's on the other side of the state. Oh, okay. And I haven't used them. I use uh, Jerry over Perfection in Portland. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I think I've used him before. He has some uh, pr- pretty nice parts, and he has pretty good prices. Okay. Yeah, occasionally use East Fork when it comes to like used stuff, but they put all their stuff in a bead blaster, and I've I've found like the little beads stuck in like passages. So yeah, I've definitely uh, I've 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 been burned on that one before. I'm like, what? And you look in there, and it's plugged up with one of the little white, you know, mm-hmm. beads. Like ah, oh. so yeah, I got to pull them apart and clean them up. Just because it's used doesn't mean anybody is even looking at it. You just pull right. this out of the. You just pull this out, through it in the washer, then put it in a bag. Huh? All right, cool. <laughs> I'll take care of it then. Yeah. I mean, that's just what we have to do anymore. It's just, I mean, it's, you have to. Yeah. You know, like valve bodies on just any of my builds, I pulled every valve out and wash the valve body, you know, in the parts washer after that. And absolutely the stuff you get out of there, it's like none other. Right. You know, I see guys, they'll just take the solvent, rush it through solvent and blow it off. Oh, yeah, that's clean. No valves are sticking. That's how I was taught. That's how I was taught, too. With a little pick and you get a little pick and you just you just spring every valve like, oh, they're all moving. We're good to go. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I take them out, buddy brush them, clean them, hone them and then vacuum test them. All right. Now we're good. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is a turbo 350 then. But then it's only like three valves anyway. So it's, it's like, how much time are you really going to spend like pulling this? Just do it. Just clean it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, they're paying I mean, for it. It's a pain in the butt, but I think you build a lot better of a unit if you do it that way. Well, that and you have a much better chance of it actually working. <laughs> like, right. I mean, how many times in your early years when you did something like that and had maybe the, the, the senior guy do it and then you put it in and you got some sort of weird, a sticky governor, right? And it's like, oh, let's just rattle the governor. He's throwing it in part going down there. It was like, oh, we got to pull the valve body. We got a sticky valve. I was like, you didn't clean all this stuff? Like when you had it on the bench? Now I got to stand underneath. I hate pulling valve bodies. I freaking hate it. Like, right? Like, it's like the most miserable Chinese torturous thing I've ever dealt with. It's like fluid dripping all over your face, all over my beard. It's like, this is awful. <laughs> or what about going down your arm? You know, you, you're holding your oh, arm. Oh, God. It's going yeah. down. You're like, please, please stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and they're always hotter than hell. Right, right. Because you got to get it out that day. And you just drove it up and down the highway like, oh, it's got no lockup or it's got a delay or whatever. It's like, oh, it's probably got a sticky valve. It's like, oh, why didn't you just clean it and do it the first time? I even got mm-hmm. to the point where I just started replacing valve bodies. There was a, a, a couple of years back when I was going through a lot of them. And it was like almost like oh, I can get a new valve body for like 150 bucks. Or I can spend the time to pull it apart and clean everything. I was just like, nope, new valve body, new valve body. Depending what the unit was, but it was like a time where it was like, I just would order a valve body with the overhaul kit, like just replace it. Especially if it was like catastrophically bad, like got really hot or a lot of metal. It's like not even worth going through it. Like I'm not even going to deal with it. 
Right. That's like the old A4LDs pulling those valve bodies apart. Exactly. Yeah. Or the 5R55s, like some of those mm-hmm. valves, just you couldn't get them out. Like, just replace it, you know? Yep. Yeah. I had a, I had a yep. Toyota, an A340 is the same thing. It was like, I'm going through it and uh, I could not get one of the end plugs out. And it was one of the planetaries blew up. So it's metal everywhere. I'm like, I can't get it. And like fighting this thing for. It's like a day and a half. I was like, got heat on. I got the torch going. I'm like, got I'm manufacturing tools to try to get down into the, you know, the passages to pop that plug out. I'm like, what is, and then I'm like, what's this valve body? And I think it was like 120 bucks <laughs> for a good use <laughs> valve body. I was like, oh my God, I spent so much time trying to fix this one when I was like, oh yeah, we got, we got those. It was like 120 bucks for a good use one. I was like, oh yeah, just go ahead and send that please. <laughs> <laughs> And by that point, you're just like, man, I don't care. Just, just send me one. Oh yeah, if it was five hundred dollars, I was getting. I was like, it can't be more. I was still thinking, I was like, can't be more than five hundred bucks for a new one. Let me just call and see. But it's a Toyota A three forty. So you're like, I don't know. And you know how many changes they made to those things? It's like, there's no way they're gonna have the one I need. You know, right. it's like so many different casting numbers. It was like, let me just call and see. Five hundred bucks. I think I'm gonna do that. And it's like hundred and twenty. Like, oh, I should have just called. <laughs> and a lot of times too. On a, well, sometimes the dealers have good prices on valve bodies, brand new. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You never know. I mean, they got a lot of them in stock, like the Tecums for the for the six Ls, um, the Subaru. You know the um, the six nineties, the TR six ninety. Is that right? Yeah, that CVT where the, the CVT one with the solenoid fails, and you have to replace the whole freaking valve body because they didn't make mm-hmm. individual solenoids for it. Yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, they should have some kind of replacement parts for that if it's that common of an issue. Right, but you've probably seen the ones on Amazon or whatever. It's like you can get the individual solenoids. Like I'm not even gonna. And you got to solder, it, desolder it, and resolder the new solenoid on. It's like, uh, and you call the Subaru dealer and it's like in stock for 800 bucks. It's like, yeah, I'll just just replace the whole valve body. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play around with trying to resolder a new solenoid on. I mean, just another terrible design. Why did you solder all your solenoids onto one circuit board you know uh, i don't know bad engineering i think if the engineers had to work on this stuff it would be a lot different yeah you would yeah well there's so many regulations and mandates that they're trying to meet you know when it comes it's like the 10 speed the only reason why they have the 10 speed is so they could drop their mile per gallon two miles like right you re-engineered an entire transmission just so you could save two to five miles of the gallon but the the tax break they got on that for their fleet fuel economy was like probably in the millions. So I was like, yeah, I guess it does make sense when you look at it that way. But it's still pain in the ass for the rest of us that are trying to fix the stupid things. Right. Yeah. They're not making it easy for us anymore. Yeah. Well, that's not their goal anymore. That's definitely out the window. <laughs> yeah. Just like, how do I save the most money on building these million cars? You know? Yep. I, it all comes back to money. Yeah. Follow the money. So moving on from you starting out at uh, Amco and kind of working through, what was the leap for you not sticking it out at a shop and building and wanting to open your own place? Um, well, I got I went to the seminar, the Las Vegas seminar, and uh, it was a place here in town uh, that we all went, and we got fired on a city bus at two o'clock in the morning, and I kind of just lost respect for for the boss guy. And I just, I was like, why am I making him all this money when I could do it myself? And that's when I was doing a bunch of side work out of my shop at home. And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't need to do it here. I can do it 
do it for myself and work for myself. Okay. So you had kind of a little clientele, your base you were building up. Yeah. Okay. How did, um, how did, what was the, the 2 a.m.? Was it a tech, like a text message? You text everybody and said, you guys are done or? No, we're um, in Las Vegas, um, you know, at the sem- seminar. And I think we're on Fremont Street having a fun time, drinking, just, you know, hanging out. And then we all got on the bus and he started, you know, just talking bad to us, me and the other builder, and fired us right there. And we almost got in a big fight on the city bus in Las Vegas. And, me and the other builder, my coworker, we just said, uh, we'll just get off the bus. And, and well, we didn't realize we we're like two and a half miles from the motel. So we had to walk two and a half miles, you know, to get, get back to our motel. And, you know, after that, it was just like, you know, you're going to fire us like that. And that's quite an exit. So yeah, that, was in per- that was in person. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, we're drinking and, you know, having fun, but you don't fire your guys like that. Yeah. That's uh sounds like maybe there was some other issues maybe going on beyond just the one trip maybe, or was that kind of just totally out of the, out of the blue? He, he's real hot headed. Um, you know, some people call it short, short guy syndrome. Okay. But he's the kind of guy that if it's not his idea, it's not a good idea. And I, see. I, mean, I, I learned a bunch of stuff from him, but you know, he's just, don't be, don't be a dick, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's a great point to bring up because that's kind of like the problem with the industry right now is, is bad owners. I mean, ultimately, and it's not really bad owners, but just being a bad leader. Right. right. Um, I mean, and, and it's hard because I think in the transmission, especially field, it's such a, such a small cluster of people that I think a lot of us were brought up in that mentality and think that's normal and that's how it's supposed to be, you know? And, and if something's go right, you yell at your guys and it's like, it's just a different breed of like auto technicians altogether. You know what I mean? Oh, and it's like, are. yeah, we, we were like brought, and I'm sure there's a lot of other like mechanics out there and auto technicians that were brought on the same way. But I think like as a whole, the bigger percentage of that was bred into the transmission field. You know, right. I don't think we're there's the a lot of transmission guys. like specialty shops where everyone's like, or maybe, maybe not now, but back then it was like, everyone's okay. Like it's pretty normal in a transmission shop to see like three foot extensions getting thrown across the shop. You know, like that's a, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a pretty standard, uh, operating procedure. I feel like, um, and it, and it, and it is, it's, it's just, but that really bred like us and our generation growing up now is like trying to like get out of that and say that, well, maybe that wasn't the right way, you know? And like, you were kind of felt like your only option now was do it for myself or work for this guy, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I mean, you're not going to talk, talk down to me or anything like that. It's just, I'm not going to stand for it. Right. There's but no I mean, like that was like my mentality too, is like, I'm either going to keep working here or I'm going to do it for myself. And I didn't, didn't even really fathom any sort of middle ground. Like, oh, maybe I'll find a good shop that someone respects me at. Like, no, you just assume like this is just how it is. And unless right. I do it for myself, I'm going to have to keep dealing with people like this. <laughs> right. And owners yeah. don't want to pay either. Right. You know, they want to make all this money, but they don't want to p- pay you. And, you know, I mean, because if you think about it, the technician, that's who's making the owners the money. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got a guy that can do a 10 hour job, say he can do it in seven, you know, the owner's making that extra three hours. Yeah. And if somebody's making you the money like that, you know, reward them. Be nice to them. 
Mm-hmm. And that's like moves into ownership and leadership and being able to obviously attract that talent that can do that job like that. And then you have the technicians that come in that want that pay that want that. Hey, why don't you, why don't I get a hundred thousand dollars a year? It's like, well, because every job I give you, you're taking the full seven hours. You're taking eight hours. You're taking nine hours, you know? And then on the client side, you have to make sure that your prices aren't just being inflated because your technicians dragging ass, you know? And right. so, yeah, but yeah, when you finally find the guy that's doing the work, like you got to be able to very quickly adapt to that and say, hey, look, I'm going to be able to afford to pay this to, you know, pay you this because you're producing this kind of work. And it's a lot. I mean, it's constantly trying to learn and evolve and like with the different people and having a price that's justifiable to your area and then also to the work that you provide without like, well, I'll, I'll pay my guy $50 an hour, but he's taking 10 hours consistently on a seven hour job, probably not going to last, you know? (laughs) Right. No, you got to be able to, you know, beat the book time. And, and most of the time the book time is, it's like, you get this much hours for this. Yeah. Yep. When it comes to like your, so being transmission specialist, do you do book time when it comes to like R and R and trans services or how do you have that set up? Uh, trans, Trans services. I just have a set price. And then for R&R, it's whatever the book calls for. Okay. Yeah, because that was another thing that changed pretty dramatically. It was like everything that came in, uh, it was three hours, it was two-wheel drive, four hours if it was uh, four-wheel drive for a pull-out and and then reinstall. It was like standard. But it's like now you look at some of these times and it's like up to 12 hours of an R&R, you know, um, and it's like, what, 12 hours to pull a transmission? Right. If that's what the book is calling for, then it's like, well, you know, I I, I mean, and I'm not doing it. So it's like, I'm just trying to sell the job and be fair to the technician. I don't know what's coming up. Um, I think the last one I looked at was like a 14 uh, F250 diesel, you know, with with the 6R in it. And it's like, well, I mean, I've never pulled that unit out before. So I got to just agree with what the book says. But then you look at the price given to the the client and like, holy moly, a lot of money just to pull a trans out to do a rear main seal leak or, you know, pull it out to put a converter in it or whatever it is. It's like, damn, that's a, uh, if that's what it calls for though. And then right. they say, well, you're the transmission special specialist. You should be able to be book, be book time. No problem. It's like, but we've, we're not, we're not a F two fifty diesel specialist shop, you know, like, <laughs> like right, I get it. I get it. We should be the transmission specialist, but it's like also, Hey, it, it takes what it takes, you know? But then do we get to charge them more if it takes us longer? Right. Exactly. Yeah. How hard is that? I mean, we touched on that in the beginning. It's like you you try to compensate for everything on a rebuild and then you need one extra part. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't want to do it. What do you mean you don't want to do it? It's $80 more. Right. <laughs> oh, I found one on Monster and it was and it's 25 and now yours is the same cost. So I'll just buy the one off a uh, off of Monster. I'll just buy the one on the Internet. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, I, I, I mean, but I'm not afraid to fire a customer either. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, they think, oh, I'm the customer. I can walk all over you. But no, it's not. No, you got to be nice to people. Yeah, that's true. And they need to be nice to us, too. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's few and far between, but we really seem to sink our teeth into those negative experiences. You know, well, I mean, those negative experiences cost us money. Yeah, that's very true. And I'm a business owner. I'm poor. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> very true too. Rent, rent still due on the first every day. So oh, yeah. you know, every month. So it's like, yeah, you can't just like, well, sorry, this didn't go well for you. And it's, I always have the problem because it's just a vehicle. Like it's just your vehicle, you know? No reason to get like upset about it. Yeah, it, it broke your heart because it left you on the side of the road. But it's there's no reason to get upset right now. No one's like you know, and and it's strange the emotional attachment people have to their vehicle. Oh, I've had people call me and oh, how's Winnie? Uh, what's um? There's no Winnie here. Oh, you got my motorhome. Yeah, we have a motorhome. Yeah, we call it Winnie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I don't I know, uh, yeah. Naming a car. I mean, I got a white Chevy. That's my truck's name, white Chevy. That's why. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a white Chevy. I mean, that's just. That's what it is, huh? Yeah. I mean, if yeah. it was a purple Chevy, I'd be like, oh, your name's purple Chevy. That's what it is. <laughs> don't even need to know the year. Yeah. That's just, just what it is. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, that. I mean, it's important, though, to kind of um, profile the clients a little bit, too, though. I mean. You know, if they name their motorhome, they're probably going to take whatever, you know, whatever it costs to get it fixed. So you can get the nice stuff. You can take your time. You can make sure because it's just the worst feeling in the world to like do a teardown like that. And then they they don't want to do it. They don't want to proceed with it. You know, like now I got to like I'm already not going to get paid. Now I got to reassemble this unit because you can't just like give them a box of parts. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a tough gig, man. I just have you ever thought about moving into the re? doing reman swaps have you gotten busy enough to say maybe i'll start feeding that into my repertoire or you just i'm just just stick to building you know on some certain units i think every unit has you know you got to do the job for what they're intending it for if it's like say a landscape company it's a bunch of young kids just beating the hell out of the trucks because they're not theirs yeah i'll throw a reman in that thing every day all day long okay so that way i'm not the warranty is not coming after me for when the kids out there, you know, like snow plowing, that's pretty you smart. see it up yeah. here, yeah. you know, cause nobody can come to a complete stop and it, you know, breaks bands and you know, you ask them, did you come to a stop? Oh yeah, I do that every time. Well, here's your band in three pieces. No, you don't do it every time. Right. And stuff like that. I'd do a remand, but other than that, I'd build it. Okay. Unless I like, can't get parts. I was just thinking like like the like the 62 TE units. I feel like you just can't keep those in these damn grand caravans. Like it's just maybe it's just me or maybe it's just our area, but I feel like those six speeds and those and the journeys and the grand caravans, the front wheel drive units is just like the biggest pile of garbage. Like nothing but problems out of them. Right. I mean, I've I've built a few of them and haven't seen them, you know, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> but Okay. Uh, so there's, but there's no unit that you've seen that's like, in your opinion, kind of unrepairable or like not even worth the headache because it's just going to constantly come back. Kind of like the five R one tens when they first came out for the Fords, the five speeds. Right. I feel like those uh, those had a pretty bad rap for for the beginning until they got some good parts for them. Yeah, they they did, and on those I just um, I haven't bought the Reamer yet, which I think I'm going to buy the Reamer instead of buying a valve body. Okay. Uh, you know, because the manual valve it always wears. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just buy a valve body from Sonics and build a unit and call it good. Yeah. So you found you found kind of the issues and then just move past them instead of just like avoiding them. Yeah, I mean, you gotta because I mean, if it's in your shop, you have to fix it. Right. Right. And you gotta do it, you know, where it's gonna make you money, 
and make a happy customer. Yeah. And then make sure it doesn't come back. Yeah. And doesn't come back. What kind of, what, what's your warranty process when it comes to the rebuilds? Uh, twelve, twelve. Okay. Do you, um, do you have that conversation where like some of the remands come with like that three year unlimited mileage warranty? Do you ever go down that path with, with the client or are you just like, Hey, this is, I'm going to rebuild it. I'll stand behind it. And then obviously you probably stand behind it beyond that as too, as well. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, every unit that comes out of here, it's my name on it. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, transmission guys, we have the, you know, Oh, they're crooks. They're this, they're that. And I just, I don't want my name associated like that. Right. Yeah. You get, yeah. It's, it's hard, man. And that's like you said, us as auto technicians, we're just liars and cheats and we're just trying to rip everybody off as it is. Right. But then, right. But then the bottom of the barrel is the transmission guys. Right. Cause like, we're, we're doing the hocus pocus that no one knows anything about. And so, like you said, we're just, we're just, then we're really cheats and we're really liars and we're just, we're just patching it to make it work. And, and it's just weird how that stigma and it's like the more technical you get into the vehicles and like, in my opinion, I've always felt like the transmissions was like the pinnacle of like auto repair, right? Like if you're going to get into the auto industry and you want to learn the most technical part of it, learn how to rebuild an automatic transmission. Right. I just feel like that's where it was. And that was always my goal. Like I was, I was just like, I want to get down. I want to learn the most and I want to get down to the to the very bottom. <laughs> right. No, it, it's, it's kept me interested for the past 25 years mm-hmm. and it still interests me today. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's you can a cool never, feeling when you get it done and go drive it. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's a great feeling. You drive it, you're like, boom, I made a shift like this. Yeah. Or if you see a truck that you built the transmission in, you're like, hey, that's my transmission right there. Yeah, you, know, you get a sense of pride and and just makes you happy. Well, it does for me. Oh yeah, until you see him pulling like a forty five foot motorhome behind him, like uh, he told me he doesn't tow with that truck. <laughs> I had a guy I did a four L sixty four quite a few years ago, and he showed me all this stuff he tows and showed me a picture of him towing this uh, big uh, uh, fire truck. He's like, "Oh, by the way, what's the warranty?" <laughs> I laughed and I said, "There is none." <laughs> He's all, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, you're towing this with a half ton truck. No, it's no, you're, you there just, is no warranty. You've just voided it. <laughs> <laughs> and it I is now null and void. It's like, you should have had him send it. Oh, that's awesome, man. Send me that picture. Like, okay, now I got, now your warranty void. <laughs> I got your picture. <laughs> Real quick. Like, oh my God. Nope. No more. Do you do performance stuff too? Oh, I do some. Okay. Yeah, the performance is, and it's like never fails. I tell them there's no warranty on this, like, right? And it's like never fails. Two years later, oh hey, it's got this leak. All right, bring it. In. I'll take. And he said, you just like just I'll take care of it. Like it shouldn't be leaking, but it's like, what have you been doing with this thing? You know? Right. I don't know. It's just like it, it's 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 a tough. Uh, it's a tough gig to try to stand behind the performance stuff too. Cause like we started the whole conversation with like all the different stages and then everyone comes in, Hey, I want to, I was looking online and it's like the stage three, could you build something like this? And you look through like the spec sheet of like what they're putting into it. You're like, I don't know how they're justifying that a stage three, you know? And it's like, but I'll, I'll give you all those parts. And then some, how about that? Right. <laughs> like, some yeah, of I've those seen spec- stages. And it's like, well, okay, that's standard, that's standard, that's standard, that's standard, that's standard. Yep. Oh, they're putting a bill of input on there. 
and it's like and that's why i i hate the stages yeah yeah because half yeah i think 90 percent of the time when you look through those spec sheets on the builds it's like i put all that stuff in everything like that's like you said that's just standard that's how is that like an upgrade? <laughs> That's what it's right. supposed to have. And then he said, then they'll throw something billet in there to say, so it says billet. Like what? That? How does that yeah, justify people, the cost? Yeah. And then once it says billet, they're like, oh my God, it's unbreakable. <laughs> no, it still breaks. <laughs> I've always said like you, 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 sometimes you want to leave something kind of weak because if you, if you keep pushing that failure point, down the line eventually something's really really expensive is going to break you know like you can break an input shaft oh that's easy that's that's not that bad but you start pushing that put a billet input billet forward billet direct and then all of a sudden it gets down the and like well if your planetary explodes you're probably going to wipe your case out and that's like now you got to get a case so i i always like with the performance like when they start talking about billet components is like you're just pushing the failure point to a more expensive location (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. <laughs> like, and just so, leave something weak in the middle so it's an easy fix when it breaks. And none of those performance guys, they don't want to pay. You know, they'll pay 10 grand, 10, 15 grand for their motor. But, you know, you sell them a transmission with all, you know, good good parts in there. They're like, oh, that's way too expensive. Yeah, like eight, $8,000, 48RE. Like, yeah, that's uh, that's about right, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they'll go to the tuner and spend a thousand dollars at the tuner too. Right. <laughs> and it seems like the hot rod guys don't want to pay, but the diesel kids and the guys with the diesels, they're like, okay, here you go. No problem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know if we'll ever get it figured out, but <laughs> I, I hope so. Well, on the, on the final notes here, um, how's, how's the, future of what you do are you looking at getting a builder in are you looking at moving forward that way or you want to keep it just a one one man band that i i mean i definitely want some help in here but i don't know how far i want to how far i want to expand i don't know if i just want more of a headache more of a misery or just keep it kind of small and just have a decent comfortable living yeah um i don't I don't want, you know, like 20, 20 lifts and all that. Cause I mean, that's more rent, more, more money coming out of your pocket. And, uh, you know, I think I just want to maybe like three lifts and uh, an R&R guy and a builder. So you're comfortable with bringing something in to build the units that you are building now? Yeah. Okay. That's uh that's, that's hard for me to, to, to think about. <laughs> to have, it's just that's a lot of responsibility to be handed off and it's like i don't know but yeah that's that's a good vision to have because it's really hard to wrap my mind around having someone build and being able to trust them what they're doing you know right i mean you, yeah. you fully got to see what they're doing how they build you know because everybody has their own building style right and you just gotta see if it's gonna work for you know if it's gonna work or if it's not gonna work yeah like i, I said that the building style because i've I don't think I've ever been able to put that to words. I think that's the best way to put it because it's true. It's just a different style of building. If it works, it works, right? But it's like still you want to put your stamp of approval on it, put your name on it, and know that in two, three years when you see it driving down the road, you're not halfway worried about it, you know, being on the side of the road. (laughs) Right. As as you're pulling up and seeing that white Chevy, it's like, that's not that same white Chevy, is it? (laughs) (laughs) 
No, it's just, you know, I mean, because every, everybody has their own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think you can, you know, say, I mean, unless it's completely wrong, you know, if their way of doing it is wrong versus the way you do it, if, you know, because if you, I feel if you have an open mind, you can learn so much more. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, you know, try to keep an open mind on stuff and see how other people do it and be like, wow, okay, that actually does work. That's a fair point. Like, um, like when I first learned about pulling valve bodies all the way apart, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to pull this whole, oh man, that's going to scare the hell out of me. And now it's just, it's second nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like you said, overcoming and adapting. And that's, I mean, that's what the big in. I think that's one of the biggest thing on this industry is overcoming and adapting. And like how we're talking about the brotherhood, you know, that's another place where you can learn what other people do and if it's working for them, if it's not working or, I mean, I, I really like that brotherhood page. Yeah. The information like that and building connections and meeting like individuals, networking, it's, I mean, that's, that's bigger than any other textbook or anything else you can find you know right being able to just talk face to face about the industry about what we're going through together about the parts you're doing about what the building styles that we have all that stuff it all helps us grow together you know and that's right. uh yeah that uh, it's invaluable you can't can't put it into words what it means but in the field that's dying as far as transmission we're building we need it more than ever now and we need yep. to know that guys that are getting into the field now have this resource and are able to find people that are willing to talk to you and like be nice to you <laughs> and show part. and show you a different, maybe better, but just, just a different way of doing it. And you're like, oh, that makes my job so much easier. Now I don't worry about having to do this part of the build or whatever it ends up being, you know? So No, I mean, we need all the help we can get. Absolutely. And, and helping each other. I think that's the biggest thing. Yep. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you helping me today and jumping on with me. Yeah. This this is pretty cool. (laughs) Well, we talked about a lot of cool stuff. This is, uh, this is the, you're the first guy I've dug in with, with transmissions. Oh, okay. So you're my first episode of like actually diving into a guy that's, uh, running a shop that's building and, and like doing it. So it's cool. It's cool insight. It's good to like knock heads a little bit about it. So nice. Anytime I ever want to do it again let me know i, I will yeah well thanks i got man. all the stuff now i'm i'm, I'm ready <laughs> <laughs> we figured out the bugs so we're good now <laughs> yep 